Welcome to the All Dogs Are Good Dog podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Dick from Pack Leader Help, and today we're going to be making sense of dog behavior and dog training for the everyday dog person. So, um, why don't you just like share a little bit about who you are, what you do, and but like, you know, just let people know. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm Alana from Wolf Moon Dogs. I am on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Um, I currently have a three-week board and train program um, that I do out of my home right now. Um, so that's my, my current situation with the dogs. Um, I started years ago actually really different than a lot of people. I feel like I didn't have like a difficult dog. Um, I was like a dog walker and a pet sitter. I met a trainer through that who I started like interning with and working for. Um, and that led to, you know, years of dog things um, that got me here a couple years ago doing my own thing. So yeah, I feel like it's a little different path than most people that have had like hard dogs and that kind of got them into it. I started kind of straight up, like, I guess more just going in as like a profession. Um, so yeah, I like to take a holistic approach to training the dogs. Um, um, what you is know, a holistic approach? Describe to me what that is. For me, it's you know, kind of looking at the dog's whole picture. Um, I really like to figure out, you know, the, the, you know, issues behind just the symptoms that we're seeing and um, not just treating every dog in like this cookie cutter way of training. Um, so I really try to just train the dog that's in front of me. Um, I like doing it out of my home because I get to kind of take my time and, and go with the pace that the dog needs. Um, oh, and I met you like a year ago. I guess we were Instagram friends for a little while and then I came to shadow you in person in real life. Um, and we've been friends ever since. Yep. Bestie yeah. since then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. I think your, like you said, your um, integration into the dog world is unique in the sense, like, I think at least most balanced trainers, it's like, I had a hard dog and I tried all these trainers yeah. and then nobody worked and now I'm a dog yeah. trainer. <laughs> you know? It's funny. I was telling my friend when Jen was here visiting a couple weeks ago, I was telling her when I first started training um, with this other trainer that I used to work for, I didn't even know there was a force-free community. I didn't know anything mm-hmm. like that. I just thought that what we did was training because it was food, it was tools, it, you know, it seems like it incorporated everything. And I yeah. was just so naive to dog training. I didn't know that there was a whole, like, force-free, positive-only branch for a long time i was i was just so ignorant to it i just thought what we did was like oh this is dog training this is yeah. <laughs> this is all of it so um, kind of, i want to talk about that a little bit i'm curious and i think the people whether it's like other dog trainers or um people who are like looking for a dog trainer and need help what would you say thinking about where you started or even within the past few years What's different, if anything, about your approach to behavior and training now than before? Yeah, um, I think before I was at, um, like, I had worked at bigger facilities before, so there was such a big volume of dogs um, that I feel like it was kind of, I don't know if, like, sometimes that environment 
is hard to see who the, the dog who they really are. I think uh, over time they they kind of um, would open up and stuff, but that's such a stressful environment for a lot of dogs. And we kind of had like a formula that we had to go through, um, you know, checked boxes, things like that. Even doing sessions, um, it, it just it feels different than now where I, I feel like I, I just know so much more back then. I think I was like learning a lot too. So I was like taking so much in at the time. Um, and it just, a lot of it didn't feel as personal as I am now, like with my clients and with the dogs and the relationships that I form, but it also wasn't yeah. mine. I feel like when it's yours, um, and your baby, it, it's different. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it kind of, I go a lot of like this. I'm full sure. I'm sure we'll get into this. Anyway, I go like so much of what I feel with the dogs is like energy and my intuition and things like that. And that was something that if I'm not in the right environment, I can't tap into that. So like if I'm in a bigger facility or a place that's just like stressing me out because there's like you know so much happening and so many dogs, it's really hard for me to go there. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I, you know, I've, I've just met so many trainers and different approaches over the years too, where, um, before I just, it's just so many different ways. Like there's so many roads to Rome. Like before, when I first yeah. started, it was like, this is how this guy trained. So this was how I was taught to train. And then this was how this girl trained. So that was kind of how I was taught, you know, like Can you give their way. Maybe like some examples of what specifically that would look like, like whether yeah. I, when and how I use the e-collar, how frequently yeah. I use place, or when should I correct versus not yeah. correct, that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, like, first, when I first started, it was, um, you know, we had our boarding trains, um, if it would, it would be, like, teach everything with food in the beginning, teach all the commands, and then it was, like, within some time during the second week, start laying, layering over the e-collar, but they had to be taught with food. Um, I think I made a post about this too. There was just like some dumb things that like, I, I'm sure all of us, you know, in our earlier dog yeah. years, like got so attached to certain things we would say or certain things that like, you know, um, so that was, yeah, it was definitely all like teach everything with food. You had to use food. If the dog wasn't taking food, we had to wait them out. Um, it really kind of almost like would put a stop in the training. If they weren't taking food, it was kind of just like, take them out, offer food. If they weren't taking it, okay, you know, they go back in um, mm -hmm. and then we wait again and like that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, also then it was like, I was also working with someone who got way into like knee po po style. So it was like, okay, then the pressure's on and then we reward and like clicker training where everything was really fast and getting the dog to like, you know, fly across the room when they hear the clicker and like high energy and look, you know, looking back for me now, it was just like, that isn't for, for me, how I feel unless you're training like that, like drive the obedience that you want for pet dogs. That's like the opposite of where I go. Like, I don't want a dog that like hears the like, most owners don't want a dog that hears a clicker just for, you know, living a nice existence with the dog and the dog is like flying onto the place cot and like shooting yeah. across the room or, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, it was definitely always, you know, taught place, taught recall, um, taught like a loose leash walk. Those kind of foundations were all there even in the beginning for me. Um, but I think what I focus on more now definitely than back then is the how you live with the dog every day. Like that wasn't something that at least in the places that I was, we brought home for the owner. It wasn't like 
you know, it was like, okay, you know these five commands, now it's your responsibility to use them, but we didn't explain to the owners, like, why, and, like, you know, how, how important it was with different things that happen throughout the day, like those little moments that are actually the big moments um, and add up. And that's something that I focus on so much more with my clients now. Yeah. It's almost less of those commands and more of just like, how, you know, how you can live with your dog, reading your dog a little bit better, yeah. understanding where they're coming from, like that kind of thing, where back when I first started, it was so much just like, okay, these are the commands. This is how you're going to, you know, you're just going to use these and mm -hmm. um, not changing. Like I'm thinking of one, like as case in particular where the dogs are like fighting in the home and the trainer I was working under basically told, you know, the owner that like more training wouldn't help the situation, but like we didn't address, like there's so many things like looking back, I was like, oh man, like yeah, we definitely yeah. done things differently, wanna, you I know? Wanna, I want to jump into that in just a second. Okay. I, I want you to respond to oh, yeah. this person feeling with foxes really quick. I'll, I'll let you respond and then I'll respond after that. Oh, yeah. So where, sorry, I'm so, so bad. she says, it's okay. She's like, I'm in PA, tons of foxes roaming around in their yards. What can I bring on walks protection? Pepper spray? Oh, for foxes? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I guess pepper spray would work. <laughs> Are they, like, going up to the dog? I mean, I now always just carry, carry a vinegar squirt bottle with me. Yeah. It's, it's been able to keep dogs away. And yeah. If I'm worried about, like, hurting. Sometimes I don't do, I, I stop carrying pepper spray because it can hurt my dog. Yeah. If I had to do that. So I would rather have, like, they have little objects that make really intense noises. You could also do, like, a pet corrector. Foxes are kind of similar to dogs. Like, they're pretty easily startled unless they have, like, rabies and then you're SOL. But I would do, like, a vinegar squirt bottle or, um, like, a noise thing or, or uh, the pet corrector or maybe, like, a walking stick or something. Yeah, I guess treat it, yeah, like you would a dog. I, this is, honestly, I'm, like, my mind's blown a little bit. I have not had, I've never had foxes approach I, me ever I do. we have a lot of foxes around here it's kind of yeah. weird yeah well, I, well it's funny because i literally just saw one run through my yard like two mornings ago um i took a video because i am all of you guys who probably work from home are like the gladys kravitz of your neighborhood you know what i mean like you're the <laughs> yeah. one that's like home all day so you know like if something's different so i took the video like sent it to my neighbor across the street i was like look at this new fox that we have um, but I've never had one approach me on a walk, so yeah. I see. Your you take yeah your answer for this one will be better than mine, <laughs> for sure. So we can we'll get back to what we were talking about, which is when you first started. A lot of the boarding trainings were just focused on obedience and getting like physical commands and things mm -hmm. like that. So why don't you feel like teaching obedience or these boarding trainings that I call them sort of pumping yeah. them? Where they're like, this is what I hear all the time, and maybe you can relate. I get people who've done board training pump. They're like, yeah, my dog's great off leash if I recall them with a knee collar, but they're still fighting with my other dog in the house. Yeah. So that, and that was like literally this case that I'm thinking of where, you know, we had told the owners, like, well, I, we hadn't, my person I was working for, you know, they asked, like, okay, well, will more training fix this? And the person said no. So they rehome, you know, they, they, they surrendered the dog that had been, you know, was one of the dogs that was fighting. And looking back on it, yeah, I think it's such a big missing piece. And, I, you know, I know, and I, it's so interesting talking to you too. Like, I obviously we're friends and I respect, you know, you professionally and like as a person and your take on board and trains has made me at first I was like 
I was like, oh my God, she hates boarding trains. Like, I, I don't know. It was like a little like hard for me. Like, it's not that I kind of took it personally, but then I switched it and I was like, you know what? No, this is going to make me like, it made me level up my, my program because I like, you know, it was like a growth moment for me because I like friends and people in my profession that can challenge me a little bit and make me think differently. And I had never really been that approach of like the pump and dump, like you were talking about, about just like, you know, the scheduling and, and the focusing on obedience and not how the person lives, but really like, you know, having you as like a colleague now has really made me realize like, okay, I want my boarding train to be different. Like I want to be one of those exceptions from, you know, your typical one that just focuses on the obedience. Um, but yeah, so it's so much of, you know, how you live with the dog day in and day out. And that is something that at least like the people that I surround myself with who do programs like mine are very similar in that way of focusing on that and making sure that the owner, you know, gets the resources that they need. And we really, you know, make sure the owner is part of the equation and, and they know, you know, I think when I worked before, um, it was a lot of like kind of telling the owners what they wanted to hear a little bit, a little more of like tiptoeing around yeah. that kind of stuff and like not, um, you know, including what a big piece they were to this and, and kind of giving that illusion of like, oh yeah, you know, you send them and, and we'll do all this. And then you just, you do what we did back at home. And it's, and, but like going back home, like, no, your, your dog's not like your dog was living in a facility for three weeks and then four weeks or however long it was. And, you know, then they go back home. Like there, it, it was just, there was a disconnect there. I think that yeah, they're, they're not generalizing. Yes that behavior it's it's contextual right a lot of dogs learn contextual behavior Mm -hmm. that's why they respond differently in different environments at different houses and things like that so yeah for anyone who's considering getting a boarding train talk to me about what are the things that they should look for and tell me why your program is different okay so this is not meant to offend anyone, but like personally, I would I would not go to a big facility. I can think of three or four that I know of, and none of them are near me, and they're all owned by women, and there you go. they are kind of <laughs> scattered across the country um, that I would maybe refer someone to. But I just the the giant facility. I've worked in them. I have friends who have worked in them or sent dogs there. What it's just, I would never, I wouldn't send my personal dogs to one. Um, I think it's, it's, there's a couple of things, the level of care, um, you know, a lot of these facilities are hiring people for, you know, $9 an hour, $10 an hour. Um, and it might be their first time working with animals and the husbandry of the dogs is a huge, huge piece of, you know, this whole thing. And, having new people come in that might not really know what's going on. And a lot of these bigger facilities to have like the main, I don't, all right, but there's like a main owner or the main trainer who is like the face of the company. And then they have a lot of people who work underneath of them. And sometimes that main person doesn't even touch the dog. Um, yeah. It's all the other people. And the, the, the client thinks that they're hiring that person, but they're really end up hiring all of the, their employees. Right. Um, and so that would be one thing that I would, I would ask, like, if you were going to go, like, who's going to have hands on my dogs? Like, I want to know, like, you know, in this facility, like who would be touching my dog? Like who would have hands on my dog? Who is doing the majority of the training? Like, what do the days look like? 
Um, you know, I also, I just don't think the dogs get out that much. They don't get worked that much. Um, the, you know, some facilities do field trips and take the dogs out and about, but some just stay in that sterile facility environment, which to me isn't real life. Um, I also think it's really stressful for a lot of dogs. Yeah. Um, so if it was me, I would look for someone who does them, you know, in their home, like, and only takes, you know, for me, I'm just one person. Um, some people who do similar things to me have like their partner helping, or they have someone who comes to help them walk dogs or work with the dogs. You know, they have um, some additional help. It's just me. So I don't take more than two at a time. That's what I'm comfortable with, my comfort level. Yeah. I know some other trainers that are also, you know, um, just by themselves and they maybe take like three or four dog training dogs, maybe, you know, around that. And that's their comfort level. Um, but I would so just be. Let's, so that also, and I want people to understand, like, for example, um, somebody who's doing behavior modification, I mean, we're dealing with reactivity, mm -hmm. separation anxiety, aggression, things like that, it makes more sense. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think they should be, if you're one person, you shouldn't be taking on more than two, yep. three at the absolute max. Yep. Now, you might see a program like Nicole or um, Keely from Ruffles. Mm -hmm. She just does like some fun obedience stuff. Mm -hmm. She's not taking on really gnarly dogs. She could take on four dogs who just need some leash walking and some yes. recall because yes. they want to go onto the beach yes. or something. Yes. So it's also important for when, when clients are looking inward on these programs, mm -hmm. uh, like what is the program? Is it behavior modification? Mm -hmm. Is it just training? Yep. Um, asking, okay, how asking them, how many dogs do you take yeah. at a time in your personal home? Yeah. And if they're saying, oh, you know, four, five, Absolutely no. not. Just, there's no way that you yeah. could be doing a quality job when you're when you're dealing with behavior I, modification. I, I think totally be, agree. you know obedience yes. and stuff like that. That's kind yes. of easy peasy. You could handle that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yes, I completely that. Yeah, and that's a great point too. And I honestly don't take on crazy behavior. I don't want to say crazy, but the the tougher behavioral stuff. Um, because it is in my home. Like I cannot take a dog, aggressive dog personally and the way my home is set up. Like yeah. some people have an outbuilding or a room that's like attached to the side of their house and they can keep it separate. Like for me, the way my house is set up, the dogs are right in the mix. And for my family and my dogs, I, I just can't, I can't bring a full on dog, aggressive dog into my home for, you know, my yeah. entire well-being of my household. Um, so, you know, that's something, yes, agreed. You should totally, you know, ask the person. And for me, I think, um, so that would be, yeah, I would, I would look into, you know, somebody that does it in their, out of their home. Um, the big facilities, I think just aren't where it's at. I think that, that is almost trending away. I think that's almost like yeah. this, uh, old school mentality of these giant facilities where it's just like dogs coming in and out. I mean, there are so many dogs I think about like from the past that, you know, I was like, man, we just like did not do right by those dogs. Like, it, you know, there's just like so, so much. And I think about that even, I think about that daily for the dogs that I worked with the first year or so of me starting my business. I'm like, I was so hard. I was yeah. really hard on dogs that I didn't need to be hard on, Yeah, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. It keeps me up at night sometimes because I, I definitely was more. I think you're you eased into training, but I was just straight up a compulsion trainer. Yeah, like I was just really hand, heavy handed on dogs. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and I look back now and I'm like, man, I just could have done such a better job if I was just a little softer and more yeah. understanding. And um, 
So yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely some good points. And I think it's really important for people to see because the best thing you can ask a trainer is why. Yeah. Why am I doing place? Yeah. Why do you take that many yep. dogs? Why is the boarding train going to work? Yep. All like, I think the best thing you can do if you are, if you, I think you should interview multiple trainers. Yep. I know yep. that you have plenty of references. Like, yep. I think the reason that you are so successful on a, personal and professional level like I think you're a very balanced human being in the sense of like how you operate mm -hmm. I think you know you're like you you have you immediately created a boundary mm -hmm. in your household mm -hmm. and most trainers don't do yeah. that they take on dogs um because you know they might financially need it they mm -hmm. might be in a position to do that mm -hmm. and the way that you have done this in a step-by-step -step process you're just so tremendously successful just in the sense that you do a phenomenal job because you deeply take care of yourself and you create those boundaries for your home. Yeah. And I think it's really important for people to see someone like you and the way you do your board and train program, you are like the cream of the yeah. crop. And if yeah. anybody was thinking yeah. about, should I be doing a board and train program? Talk to Anna, like talk to you about yeah. how you do your program. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And thank you. That's so nice. All of that for you to say, <laughs> like it, it's, it can be better. It can be better than it's been. I, I really, I really, truly believe that because, you know, my friends and and my colleagues in, in this profession that have this a similar program to mine, like they genuinely care about the dogs, and there's so much that care that goes into it. And when they have the dogs in their home, and then you know, I, I hear or see these horror stories about different facilities and it's just heartbreaking and you know I just I feel like it's this old school mentality that's kind of we're shifting away from it of like let's have you know 35 to 50 dogs in one facility where there's boarding and there's boarding trains and we have aggression and we have you know just basic obedience and it's all under one roof and yeah, it's yeah. you know a lot of of turnover it's a lot of young people who don't have a ton of experience it's you know, it, it's just stuff is going to, it's just stuff's going to get lost in the wash like that, you know, and I, I hear about it. I see about it. I see it. Um, and that's just, you know, the mild stuff, you know, there's always those really terrible, tragic stories that we know about too, sure. um, in facilities that are absolutely heartbreaking. Even just, and, I wouldn't even say just facilities. You also see this in people's homes who take yeah. on dogs yeah. where they have like 10 15 yeah. dogs and that one story about the dog recently who was left out in the dog the, the dog trainer dog trainer's van and it died yeah. and he didn't tell the owner for days that the dog died like situations like that yeah you want to do really really you want to see where that dog is i have some people i'll do like a virtual tour of my home yeah so people can see you yes. know if that would make them feel more comfortable uh, yeah but um, i think that like transparency on social media is is you know it's it's people can definitely make things seem a certain way on social media but i do think like you can kind of get a feeling if someone's being honest and genuine and true and if they're consistent like yeah. they consistently show up with the same messages with the same um you know kind of in the same way um on their social media and you can see like yeah like I'm pretty I, I like to show my home and where the dogs are like I really like I've had people drop their dogs off to me and say oh like they have no I've never like knock on wood I've never had someone drop their, their dog off and be like a, like ask me questions or trying to like you know you know interview me or give me the third degree before they drop their they were I, I've had people just hand me the leash and be like I feel like I know you I feel like I know what your home looks like yeah yeah I, I feel you know what I mean like I feel comfortable I, I, 
the same. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I that, I think that. Yeah. And that's, but that's also like, you know, I, I still keep within my own boundaries. Like there's, you know, like I don't share a lot about like my, my marriage, my relationship, like that stuff is special and sacred to me. But like, as far as the dogs go and stuff like that, like I want owners to feel like, you know, transparent and they know what the dogs are doing during the day and, and they feel like they know me and, yeah, I, I think that that's really important too. That if you're going to go with the board and train route, um, I think you can, you know. And I, I kind of, you know, I, I ask most of them, and I, I ask most of the people that um, are on my contact form. I do have, you know, do you follow me on Instagram? I just like to know. And if people say no, you know, I, I suggest. You talk shit about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like. I'll, I'll like say I, I won't. I mean, because the reality is when I, when I say stuff about clients, it can apply to like 90% of my clients because yeah. it'll just like, <laughs> but it's really funny when I'll like post something about someone, but I don't name them specifically. And then I didn't, I didn't think they followed me on Instagram. And then I find out that they do. And I'm like, this is why I need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, so I want to get into, we, we've had a little bit of back and forth over the last year because I, I am very familiar with everybody in your circle, mm -hmm. um, your perspective on training, your experience in training. And so mm -hmm. if there was a few topics where we would differ, or maybe at one point we differ, but maybe we're more aligned. You talked about there was, because I had the same level of discomfort when, when, when one of my, a few of my colleagues started to do a different style of training. And they started to speak about like my boarding train program or the way that I was handling aggression or behavior modification. Yeah. There was, um, you know, two years I'd say of discomfort where I really had to challenge my preconceived notion. Cause I go hard. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, I go hard. Yeah. And stuff. So everything I said was impossible with certain techniques, tools, training, whatever I have now found that it is possible. Um, and it does work and it is effective. And so like, what are some things, that you've thought about over the last year that maybe you hadn't considered? So, yeah, you, and that was literally, it's funny because um, when Jen and I were driving around Florida, I asked her, like, if she was familiar with you, and I think we listened to one of your podcasts, um, and I was just like, man, like, I was like, I literally told her, I said, if all the people that have, like, challenged my way of thinking, Brianna's challenged my way of thinking <laughs> more than anyone as of recently, you know, and um, definitely your, uh, use of food for sure. Um, that is something that like the way that you use food for behavior modification is something that has really challenged me. Like that was something that I was not super familiar with, or maybe even kind of pushed back against a little bit. Me too, man too. I get it. Yeah. Um, so that's been one for sure. And also your, um, even just something as simple as, you know, you just putting the dog on place and, but not using food or not rewarding until they're calm. You know, like I was taught, you know, as soon as the dog gets on place, the feeder on, you give them the food, you know, and it's like fast mm -hmm. and then you, or you click them and you give them the food or what it was this like real, like, you know, bebop fast kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, the way you do it with just rewarding calm and even just, you know, releasing the dog calmly. Cause you know, there was a point in time where it was like, okay, well then we're going to like recall the dog with the clicker off of the place cot and they'd come like 
flying, you know, and the cot would go against the wall and it was like <laughs> so much like energy. And I was like, you know, at, at the time, and it's funny looking back because there were so much, so many things that I did that I was like, this just doesn't feel like right in my gut. Right. I just didn't trust myself as much as I do now back then. Yeah. Um, but that's all part of the process. I had to like do the stuff that wasn't right for me to figure out the stuff that was. Um, but yeah, definitely your use of food. Definitely, you know, the way that you do place as far as just like, it's kind of very nonchalant. It's like, you're just going to be on there until, you know, <laughs> you're calm and I'll release you calmly. And it's like, not a big deal. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it was, I wasn't doing, you know, even before, you know, I, I was familiar with you, I wasn't doing place with like the crazy, um, you know, clickers and all that stuff. It was more of, you know, but you really like, you're so articulate in the way you explain things. And that was something that I'm not as good at explaining. So I really admire how well you um, explain things, especially to clients. Cause like you said, it's important for them to know the why. And that's definitely something too, that you've like opened my eyes to and challenged and been like, if you explain it to the clients, it makes things, you know, so much easier for them to under. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, why are we not explaining? It was like this, you know, back in the day, I just feel like it was like, oh, I'm the trainer, I'm the grand poobah. And I said this and you're just like, yeah. you know, it's like, no, explain yeah. why. So they understand it, you know, like, it's um, so first of all, I want to say thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate it. And I, I always take your compliments highly. Oh. Um, the, I, the why for me is the buy-in. Like yeah. if I, with anything that I'm doing, if I'm not, I'm, I think because I'm very argumentative and I have problems with authority, when I just got told what to do, I'm always mm -hmm. like, why, why, why do I have to do mm -hmm. that? And so when I started to realize whether it was with the dog or with the people, they need that. They don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. They want to understand how to understand their dog. Yeah. And so the more I told them what to do, the less they did anyway. Yeah. So if I was like, hey, the reason we're doing this is because your dog needs an area of decompression and you don't want them reacting on the leash. Yeah. If I can l connect those two things of having them decompress on place and practice impulse control, and it not, you know, connecting to the reactivity outside. Yeah. They're like, well, shit, I'll do anything to get that dog to stop pulling me on a leash. Yeah. You know oh, I mean? yeah. yeah, they have to. Because, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I, I just, back when I was coming up, starting with all this, it was, it was just kind of like, I'm the trainer. I'm telling you to do it. This is, you know, it was just, it should, you just should. And, it, yeah, it really, when you can explain the why, the owners are like, okay, now I know why I'm doing this. It's not just, right. you know, how I'm sit or how, you know, like the, yeah, you know. Yeah, just a set of instructions. Yeah, exactly. It's not just an instruction manual. There is, like, reasoning behind it. And it's all connected because that's the thing. Like, we as trainers know that, but owners, and that's something, too, that I really have taken from you of, like, connecting all of it together because in the owner's mind, they just see the reactivity or they just see, you know, the anxiousness in the house or, you know, barking at the, you know, UPS driver, you know, they just see the thing that the symptom and mm -hmm. they're not realizing all of the stuff that's behind it. That's right. like leading up to that. And that's where, you know, we really have to make those connections for them. So they understand, you know, where all this is coming from. Cause you know, it's how the owner's like, I just don't know why, you know, I don't understand why they, they do, you know, and, and we have to kind of, yeah, it's our job to, to help them and show them why. And I think that makes you a better trainer, yeah. you know, like to kind of like deconstruct it and, and know, you know, why you're telling them to do this stuff too. Because then they start, it brings awareness too, because if we're like mm -hmm. talking solely about reactivity, the way that 
I've started to break it down for people because they really don't. Because like, I'll go in and like my dog is trying to kill other dogs on walks. So I'm like, cool. Let's talk about how your dog, uh, how you can't tell them to get off the couch. And they're like, why the fuck does that matter when I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so the way that I'll boil it down, I said, if we were to, if, as trainers, if we were to over, oversimplify and really reduce down what we do with dogs, mm-hmm. it's controlling movement. Yeah. So I'm like, I want you to think about when and where your dog moves towards something that it yep. wants whether it's you for affection or the door or if it sees a window or yeah. if it sees its toy or it's your spouse coming in the door i just want you to think about it and just make yourself aware for one day mm-hmm. all for 24 hours look at your dog moving towards things yeah. think about how often often they don't ever think before moving towards something mm-hmm. that they desire and after that day they're like oh my god i never thought yeah. about it that way so like even something as simple as that is just like forcing them to observe so they understand why their dog is so impulsive outside or when people come over they they connect it to don't i don't make it whether it's a negative or positive emotion yeah. are they moving towards something that yeah. they want whether it's because they want to bite it or because they want to play with it yeah you know what i mean yeah for like sure. it's really important for people to get and having those little little tidbits for clients mm-hmm. really goes a long way mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. Because, like, we can look at it and we see it all, like, so quickly. You know, it's like, especially if you've done this for yeah. so long, you're like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, all of that is, like, you know, like, y- y- we see it. And then for them, they just see this tiny little, like, sliver of the whole picture. And we're, you know, we see the whole forest or whatever. Like, we're, yeah. we're just realizing, like, okay, this is adding up. This is, do- you know, we see all of that. And, yeah, it really, it does make you a better trainer to have to, like, break it down. And, I think that's something that maybe over time with people, I don't know if it's just like the longer they're in the industry and they just kind of, I don't know if it's like you just lose that patience with explaining it to owners or what, but either way, that's definitely something that I've taken from you of like, take the time to explain to them the why, like, you know, you would want to know the why too. And that's, that's kind of how I take, you know, I structure my program now too, is just like I have a program that I would send my dogs to, that I, I give them the care that I would want someone to give my, you know, the care I want my dogs to receive and like the training and yeah. the, you know, you know, genuine, um, yeah, the genuine care that I would want someone to treat my dogs with. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, there's something that I oh, about. I'm freaking lost my train of thought. Because um, you were like, shit, now I have to think about it. Okay. Um. Okay, wait, what were we talking about? Was it about when I was saying about trainers just getting, like, Yes, okay, so if you're a trainer who maybe is listening to this or, like, watching live later, or maybe yeah. I'll put this on my podcast, so that might be kind of fun, um, just, like, the audio of that. <laughs> if you're a trainer who feels like you're struggling with getting people to do what you're, what you're telling them yeah. or you're just struggling to feel like you're explaining things well, I want you to go out and take a class doing something new. I want you to take a painting class. I want you to take a boxing class. I want you to do meetup and take a class online because you will then be in a novelty situation. You will Mm -hmm. then be a beginner again. And we forget that we need things so simple and really one or two building blocks. The best thing I did as a trainer was I started boxing with a law school colleague who used to be a former boxer because I'm moving a certain way and it's so simple for her. It's like, she's, she's just breathing naturally mm-hmm. moving. Right. And for me, I'm really having to think about the movement. And I'm like, this is how my clients feel when I'm telling them to do leash work. 
and they mm-hmm. are struggling to just move back and forth. And I'm like, God, this is a dumb, this is the simplest thing I've ever done. But they struggle because we're our bodies get so accustomed to that movement. It's such muscle memory. Yeah. We don't even think about it. Yep. So jump into something new, and then you will have a refreshed mindset on how your clients feel when we start with them with something super simple. I love that. I love that so much. I think that's such good advice. It's really, it's so important that us as trainers too keep doing things like that and like challenging ourselves away from dogs, like doing different things and expanding um, just our own personal development, you know, in different ways. And yeah, that mindset of a beginner is really humbling. Like it's, it's humbling, but it's also amazing because there's like so many possibilities, like, cause you know, nothing. Yeah. You know, like when you're a total beginner, you know nothing. So there's like literally a million and one possibilities of, you know, what could happen. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that also brings me up. So we're sort of jumping around here, but it's fine. I I mean, I just love talking. Yeah. So I think we had a conversation via messages, maybe like a few months ago or a few weeks ago. Time is weird. Um, Where we were talking about suppression, where I, I made a story about suppression versus like force free yes and this is something again this has taken you a few years it took me like seven eight nine years to get into this so you are way ahead of the game of all of this stuff and it doesn't seem revolutionary to i think a lot of trainers who are maybe in like the force reach side of things but it was revolutionary to me yeah where we talk about if we're dealing with an aggressive dog right and on some level we do suppress their ability to express that emotion lunging Mm -hmm. barking whatever right but then of course even me who and i think i'm a really good trainer and i've done boarding trainings and other Mm -hmm. trainers we have a dog go a year without a bite or reaction but then we get that call or that email a year and a half later after that boarding train and the dog got into it again or somebody got injured right and that was always really 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 frustrating and really hard for Mm -hmm. me and i started to notice that yeah, we might have helped, but yeah, we also suppress a little bit. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong because Mm -hmm. I I find value in suppression. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there's also value in, we've just suppressed the dog's ability to communicate their feelings. Mm -hmm. It's basically, you have a problem you don't know versus a problem you do know you have. So if I don't suppress, yeah, I'm still dealing with reactivity and the dog's still doing shit, but at least I know and I can manage Mm -hmm. that. Versus I don't realize that the dog is going to bite And I think it's cool and that I don't muzzle them and I don't manage yep. them. So like, yep. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, that's, I love how we do have those like back and forth and kind of like, you know, like question each other, yeah, or, like, yeah. like, other points. Like that was such a, yeah. When you brought that story up, I was like, that is such a good point. Cause yes, exactly. Like you said, like the suppression isn't changing how the dog I guess, like we said, it could change how they feel about the situation, but is it, like, is it, is it? Yeah, depends, maybe, yeah. Yeah, like, is it changing how they actually feel about seeing dogs, other dogs, or are they just kind of holding back that reaction, you know, or that, that impulse, like, they're just, it's just controlling it rather than, like, oh, that doesn't bother me the way it did, and I always, this is something that I, one of my yoga teachers, I think it was, it was one of my yoga teachers years ago, one of the trainings that I went through, it was, like, a trauma, um, yoga teacher training, it was something about, you know, you know that, like, you've grown or you've changed, um, when it comes to something that used to, to trigger you in the past or was, like, a point of pain for you when that thing doesn't hold the charge that it used to. 
And yeah. I just thought that was such a good way of putting it. Like, it doesn't hold that charge for you. And that's kind of like I was thinking about, like, when you brought that up about the dogs. I'm like, does the dog still have that charge and they're just not expressing yeah. it? You know, or have they really changed how this, like, is that charge not there anymore? You know, yeah. like, and it's just such a, it's such an interesting topic. And it, yeah, you bringing that up really made me think about whether or not we're actually changing how the dog feels or are they just not expressing themselves? Yeah. Um, I think and, about, I think about my, the reason I think it sort of struck a chord with me too. It's so interesting that you, I love the fact that you pull from, yoga and your mindfulness practices again i think that's why you're such an exceptional trainer and human being obviously but what i was physically suppressed as a child i was physically harmed as a child yeah and it never changed my like for example i was physically harmed because i'm gay mm -hmm. and i was psychologically and physically harmed and it was suppressed right so i stopped showing that emotion mm -hmm. but it never mm -hmm. went away and the second mm -hmm. i had the opportunity to act on it guess what mm -hmm. i i did you know? Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I don't want to anthropomorphize the dog too yeah. much because that's yeah. not, it's not that deep, right? right? But we do know dogs have some emotions, right. whether that's, you know, a frustration or possessiveness mm -hmm. or whatever it is, they still have some capacity to have emotion. Mm -hmm. And if we really resolve the feeling, we wouldn't see it show up six months, uh, a month after the dog goes back home to, you know, what, right. whatever, if we really resolve yeah. it truly. Yeah. So my thing is, I'm like, for some dogs, suppressing it allows us to create a new pattern and a new habit mm -hmm. and can help the dog. For other dogs, if the owner isn't going to manage and can't be perfect in management, right. then we have a problem we don't know we have, mm -hmm. which to me, I think in my career now is worse than a dog who I know is going to react and practices reactivity in some capacity. Yeah. But we know that we have to manage because mm -hmm. I've fortunately, I've kind of seen the worst of people needing to get plastic surgery, dogs having to be put down. Yeah. You know, I deal with really extreme cases where if you suppress like in an obedience situation where your dog pulls, jumps, barks, I don't give a shit. You can, I don't, I don't see a problem with suppressing a bit of that because there's yeah. not going to be a lot of fallout. Yeah. When you are correcting a dog pretty heavily, when they want to kill something, right. someone or harm them, that's where it's more dangerous to me. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I think it's almost like that. It almost feels like a cycle to me when that happens of like, it's just, it just gets, yeah, like you said, it just gets suppressed and kind of pushed down in the dog, but it kind of just keeps going in this loop for them. And for mm -hmm. me, and this again is like, when I talk about like the yoga stuff and it's not because I want to like humanize the dogs and things. I just think there's a lot of um, crossover with energy because dogs yeah. can't talk. So right. it's like when you start kind of tapping into energe energetics and, and energy and things, but you know, we, we talk about in like yoga and stuff that like, if you don't move that energy out of your body, it's just going to keep cycling and it's going to stay in there mm -hmm. and it's going to um, manifest in other ways. And that's where like breath work, yoga, you know, different um, modalities are there to like help you move that stuck energy mm -hmm. out so that you can make room for new stuff. And sometimes that's how I feel with those dogs, those like really intense dogs that want to cause harm is they've got this like stuck energy that's just going around and around and around. Yeah. And it's like suppressing isn't necessarily helping that. It's like you have to teach them almost how to like 
self-soothe, you know, like, like to change how they feel around that dog, around that trigger, around instead of having like the big explosion and, and going in for that, you know, um, reaction and that, that action of instead changing how they feel would to me show when they can like just literally self-soothe themselves and not care anymore. But you know, when does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm really glad you sort of jumped into this because I think you, you, I love how you are able to connect it to the human side of things. And I think when some, when a particular set of people hears energy, Mm -hmm. they think of like woo woo type of thing. Energy is not, I always say energy is not intangible. It's where we hold tension Mm -hmm. in our body. It's our heart rate. Mm -hmm. I mean, dogs can smell emotion through how we perspire and how we smell carries emotion. I mean, they've done plenty yeah. of studies on this. You can yeah. look them up. It's great. I mean, it's really incredible to see. Mm-hmm. So like when we say energy, it's not just this thing that we're talking about. There's physical manifestations yes. of these things where we see dogs with reactivity. They have, they tend to have inflammation mm-hmm. and irritable bowel things yeah. because their do- their bodies are always in fight mm-hmm. or flight and things of that nature. So um continue to talk about these things and i'm excited i think i'm actually going to put this on my podcast because i know there's lots of people who ask me about boarding trains and i'm like hey look at these accounts yeah yeah so you can see Uh, like who who is a really good um boarding train person because just because i don't do them anymore does not mean that i don't see value in them it was mostly just the issues i was seeing with either even my previous board and train or the, what I call, you know, the pump and dump, yeah. like the big facilities and things like that. For so sure. do you have, do you, and, ahead, and I also like, I, I, I say no to a lot of, you know, I don't take every application. Like I make sure it is the right fit for me and the owner. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing for me too. Like I want it to be the right fit. Um, but yeah. Um, so as far as energy, is that what we're talking about we're gonna go down that a little bit um what what do you in particular you want to know like Um, where do you want me to go um, i forgot i was going with that i was actually just gonna i was gonna ask if you have any sort of final notes on Uh, things and perspectives you want to share so i really think one of my favorite parts about working with dogs is that they cannot talk like i actually love it (laughs) and It, a lot of people, and you and I have talked about this, you know, are feeling about some trainers um, liking that for different reasons. But for me, it's because I I like to be able to communicate with them without words. Like, I think that that is the coolest thing ever. And for me, having a background in yoga and mindfulness and things like that, it, there's such a crossover there because... I can, I feel shifts in yoga classes when I'm teaching of, you know, and you and I have talked about this too, like, you know, certain people or energy that walks into the room at the beginning and then the way that they leave is so different and, you know, how that shift can happen and that change can happen. And I feel that and I see that with the dogs um, so much. And it's, you know, for me too, it also helps me keep me in check, you know, and make sure that like, I'm staying in that stable place of being mindful about my own self when I'm working with the dogs. And that's something that in my beginning years, I, I, I was aware of, but I could see so many other trainers that weren't. And I was just like, you shouldn't even have that leash right now. Like that, your, your energy, you know, like your energy is not what that dog needs. At the, you know, like, Before this, I, I want you to do this. Cause I'm going to forget this. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, if, if we can talk about this later, you can say, no, it's really fun. Yeah. I want you to do a post where you, it's labeled 
this breath work is going to help you with your dog reactivity. Okay. And it is a walkthrough okay. of a mindfulness activity. You'll have your yeah. little dog there yeah. and you're talking in your like super fun voice okay. because I want to put this in my homework. I already sent some of your resources to clients, yeah. but I would love, I know so many clients would really, really love yeah. to hear that and be a part of that. For sure. So that's a video that I would really okay. love for you to make for okay. me. Okay. I will. And you know, I was also going to, I've been, it's on my list too of like getting, and this is also because of you and this, our personal conversations. I want to put together like, a little book list too of books that have helped me yeah. um just with like mindfulness and stuff too even if like you're an audiobook person or you prefer to read you know like that um so yeah we'll we'll do that okay, okay. i'll definitely do that one that's um, cool. I, and, I i figured uh, my client tina she just said yes i figured she'd like that too because she got into she started doing a bit more mindfulness with when she first got her reactive dog. Yeah. And I know I, 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 in the beginning of my career, I used to send breathwork videos to clients, but they didn't always, they didn't always go over yeah. well. Um, <laughs> but this, this could be definitely helpful because it's involving the dog a little bit more. So, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Thank I you so much I'm gonna, for joining me. Of course. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I'm totally, I will totally, totally make that video. Um, and yeah, I think for owners and trainers and, Anybody who, oh, Sunny Sat, hi, Staten Island. Um, hey. Uh, you know, it, it's, I, yeah, I definitely want to start putting more resources for that stuff out there, too, because I think it's so helpful for for people to maybe start to dive into that a little bit um, for themselves, personally, for their, you know, when they work with the dogs, it's it's all it's all connected. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely something that I, I love and, and helps me so much with, both myself and my bit and the dogs and you know owners that I work with and yeah I'm so excited for that now I'm so glad I interjected because I was like I'm gonna lose this stuff yeah but now we know we have yes, yes yes I'm gonna let you go okay. and I know we'll do this again soon yes. and I just yes. I'm so appreciative that for you doing this with me and sharing your wisdom oh my gosh I love it anytime um yeah I, I love talking to you I love the, the back and forth we have with each other me too Okay, bye, bye guys. Have a great bye. night. Have a good night, Grant. Thanks, everyone. Bye.